part two on our conversation about uh, soundtracks for movies. Um, we've kind of just took a little break there just to kind of break this up for the listener. We needed a break ourselves. I got a little snack, a little cigarette, you know, a little smoke on a pancake. <laughs> Mookie's eaten, Mookie's pooped, all is good. We're refreshed and we're ready to talk about more stuff that pertaining to um, soundtracks. Um, if you haven't, this is part two, so if you haven't listened to part one yet, we say go back and listen to part one. And in part two, we're just going to kind of dive more into uh, just just general thoughts about soundtracks and, and certain certain ways that certain movies um, associated with them. Um, so, Doug, I know, just, just start right off the top, a point that I made w- with my list that I wanted to get into was the difference between a soundtrack and a score. Now, I got to flip through my notes here, but I think it's often confused that, that, that they're kind of like the same thing when really they're not. I think, I don't know if, if, I, if, if I'm in a minority here, because I kind of learned that, that the two were different. So if something's up for an Oscar for a score, it's usually the music that's going on during the movie, oftentimes with no like words or anything like that. So it, it's just kind of synths. It's... It's stuff that's going in the background of the movie to, to help it's progress the movie. Anticipation. It's not necessarily right. singular songs of singular songs. You know, it's it's there will be blood. Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead builds anticipation with strings the whole time. There's no technically set songs True. or anything on soundtrack. It's the score. It's the it's yeah. The it's it's the, the original music. It's the original music written for the movie. Oh, wow. So where were, you, where were we before this, the podcast, like, I uh, wanted to bring up how, like, the Farrelly brothers, you know, they, they use they, such great songs throughout their, you know, they do. movies that capsulate the 90s, but you disagree that that's a score. Yeah, so a score has to be written, so the way it's defined here is that it has to be written specifically for the movie. So the Farrelly brothers, what they do is they take other people's songs and plug them in throughout the movie. So if that was not that the Fairly Brothers would ever be up for an Oscar for their scores, but that wouldn't be included in it. So the soundtracks include those commercial other people's work, commercial songs, um, commercial songs and scores. It can be, um, and a soundtrack can also just be the score. But so the score can't be a soundtrack, but the soundtrack can be a score. Am I saying that right? So one can be one. And yeah. So Into the Wild is both the soundtrack and the score. Yes, because it was made originally for that movie, right? Same with uh, Daft Punk, uh, Tron Legacy. Right, so just a little bit of something that I learned right off the top. Um, and just to kind of get us into this next this next part of the conversation. Um, there also, in soundtracks, you can include skits as well. So I know, I think it was like the Rush Hour 2 or Rush Hour soundtrack. There's a couple of tracks where it's just Jackie Chan oh, and Chris and Chris Tucker just going oh, back yeah, and forth absolutely. in the movie. I forgot to bring that up in our first podcast. I was so talking about albums that influenced us as young people. Because first off, this was I think an important part of soundtracks with uh, movies that, and in the '90s and early 2000s, and then before, were the fact that you bought a physical thing with it. Yes, so you bought the CD uh, along with it. And uh, sure, it highlighted stuff in the movies, but as we've covered before, in like Night Professor, it's, it's sometimes sold as, as, as something separate to buy. Right. right. So you were saying, you were, and I stopped you there just so I could get my soundtrack thing in, but you were saying 
something about the Fairley Brothers and how they tend to just kind of really nail it with their soundtracks for movies, Dumb and Dumber, Me, Myself, and Irene. Like, what other ones did you have in mind, or did you want to speak? Basically, every Fairley Brothers has such a unique, like, it's not... It's not grunge, but it was like rock and roll of the 90s. Like the Spin Doctors are like the perfect band or Four Non Blondes are just like used, you know, almost like they're so, they're so, if you want, I watched Kingpin recently. Oh yeah. It's just like, it really, it's that Pete and Pete, if you remember the show Pete and Pete, like it encapsulates that like kind of Midwestern, middle of the country um, just kind of apathetic rock vibe, you know? Yeah, do you, you have satellite, do you listen to satellite radio? Not really, no. There's like a punk rock station where like, I'm noticing, oh, what's it called? I can't remember, but it's, it's got like a lot of Duran Duran, the Kinks, like, it's a station like that. I'm noticing that some of these most like really popular, um, soundtracks when I went to go look up a bunch were those types of movies. So, um, like it, it's a lot of, it's kind of like these niche bands that are showing up on all of these top lists. And I think the Fairley brothers do that with, with all the artists that you were saying, who sings, um, the song. Oh, crash test. Don't yeah. It's a, it's oh a lot of like, God, that's a great song. Uh, so they use it in Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber, right. right. <laughs> I didn't know you were incapable of making a mistake in where, uh, uh, what is Harry D? He drives halfway or an eighth of the way across the country in the wrong direction. direction. <laughs> <laughs> so they play it for like a, an, an emotional scene in Dumb and Dumber if there's if there's if that was possible. Yeah. Um, Comedic. But it is like the like the only emotional scene and uh, and yeah that that guy's baritone deep bassy voice. Uh, the song again is called by the Crash Test Dummies. Once there was this kid who got into an accident and couldn't come to school, but when he finally came back, his hair had turned from black into bright white He said that it was from when the cars and crashed so puts you back they nail it the Fairley brothers do nail it and I'm wondering if it's if they have control I don't know if you found in your research do they have like control or they or is it like director's final cut on what goes in or do they bring another person in do they have a go-to guy for their I'm sure sure there's a music supervisor that they like to use um but also the Fairley brothers if you remember in something about Mary uh they had those two guys playing along with them the whole time oh yeah there, he's also in Kingpin. Those two guys. Um, the guy he, he plays the ukulele, right? Uh, no, it's it, more it, like a classical, like nylon string guitar. Okay, um, in something about Mary, I'm thinking, yeah. But uh, but anyways, uh, it's very like it's so '90s. It's like fastball. It's like 
I don't know. It's like it's hard to describe. It, yeah. it, it just it it really they they found a way to. I don't know. They were just using the popular music that they were probably into. Yeah. I remember seeing those in stores. I remember the CDs in stores. Uh, you would, you would, you, you just see them a, a lot more. In there, they just seemed a lot more prevalent. And I don't know if that's something to do with the streaming service or the way people have marketed movies nowadays. Um, but like, I just remember seeing like the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack along with a bunch of others. They're just more available or more of a tool um, back sure, in the day. I, I can tell you right off the bat. I mean, because CDs don't sell anymore. Now. Yeah. I mean, well, vinyls sell more than CDs now. That's true. That's true. And they, and they they calculate it differently with streaming services. But just real quick, let me run through the top ten because you know how we love to do lists on all of our podcasts. Let me run through the top ten highest selling soundtrack albums of all time. I'm do gonna, it. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ten to one. Ten was Flashdance. I don't know if the, if you remember that, but that one had the song "She's a Maniac, Maniac." And, I'm not, uh, <laughs> did you eat paint chips when you were a kid? <laughs> so that's that's from that movie. I never realized that, but that's that's, that's that scene. That's, see, when you say that, I, that's synonymous with Tommy Boy for me. No, nah, it's definitely Flashdance. There's that scene, and it's actually making it's a it's a nod. Tommy Boy is making a nod to that Flashdance. So she's on. It's a, it's a classic scene, and I'm sure you've seen it in like commercials. And she's on this chair, and she gets like sprayed in water, and then her hair just comes whipping back and. It's, oh, yeah. it's just like a really famous scene. If you haven't watched the movie, go check it out. So that made $6 million in 1983. Space Jam was $6 million at nine. Waiting to Exhale. Do you remember that movie at all? Uh, not really, no. Okay, it was, it was Whitney Houston, Tory Braxton. It was like a bunch of, or Tony, Tony Braxton. It was like a bunch of uh, our female R&B singers in the mid-90s. Grease is number seven. Titanic, which we'll get into and we've already gotten into, is number six. Dirty Dancing is number five. Nice. Forrest Gump is number four at 12 million uh, records sold. Good. Purple Rain, which if you can remember from the first podcast was one of mine, 13 million. Saturday Night Fever, Dog, which you brought up off the cuff. I brought up Forrest Gump in the past one too, but not to toot my own horn. But there you go. Anyways. 15 million for Saturday Saturday Night Fever. And then number one, any care to guess? Go for it. Bodyguard with Whitney Houston and Kevin Costner. Uh, honestly, I, yeah, yeah. And I think we actually own that album. It, it's somewhere at Damn Lane right now. Like, oh, absolutely. It's sitting next to the boys to men and achy breaky heart. <laughs> the CD case is undoubtedly broken, sitting in yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And so that means that sold 17 million copies. Like that's wow. that's crazy. Like I'd, yeah, I'd be surprised you know, if any other Whitney Houston songs or. You know, you know, one I thought was going to be up there, um, uh, which maybe they don't consider it, uh, maybe a, but the Spice World movie I thought was like, remember that was like a huge, remember that was like a British invasion of the oh, yeah. Chinese type thing. Right. But I think um, and that the movie to go along with the CD. But that album was, but, was after their first album. So I don't think it did as well. Like it was still their second album. Like, I don't know. It, right. It, right. yeah, but it, it, it probably if I went down the further list I'm sure we'd run into it along the way but anyways I, what, the point I wanted to make was that the that the latest of any of these movies are is Titanic in 1997 and then after that there is not there's not one in the top 10 now I know we judge 
you know, with streaming services and, and all these things, it's, it's different. People don't buy albums anymore. But up until 2010, like we didn't have Spotify. We didn't have these streaming services. So I'm wondering kind of why as we go, you know, as we get, you know, more advanced in movies or, or later into the, into like the, the future, why people kind of stray away or why these soundtracks are less popular. I don't know. It's a, it's a really good question. I mean, even in the 2010s, like, <clears throat> and when, when the movies do come out with soundtracks, it's always like, Oh dude, I can't wait for that. Like that's going to be so like the black Panther soundtrack with Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar did the entire thing. Like that was dope. Yeah, and, but it, they don't, it didn't sell records because the, everyone got it on Spotify or there. there it, yes, people had already listened to it on different albums. Like there, so but some of the movies we talked about in our last podcast, like the Chris Cornell, the uh, or sorry, the um, Audio Slave song. Like I already had that. Like I had already had that on an Audio Slave uh, CD, but. It still wanted me. It still, when it came out on the collateral one, it still made me look for that particular soundtrack. So, so it was still happening. That movie, I think, was two thousand four. So it's just like I, I wonder why it just got straight away. If I could, real quick, just like go through the top movies or the top soundtracks of like modern day that are still on the Billboard top ten soundtracks. Um, Star is born. That one's yeah. huge. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, yep. which you had on your list. So, dog, you're, you're kind of a prodigy here. Uh, Black Panther, as you mentioned, and then Bohemian Rhapsody. That's an obvious one. It's just a, a joyride with Queen. Um, but and then and then everything else in the top ten are Disney movies or kids movies. So Frozen one and two. Obviously, every little girl knows the Frozen song. How many how many times have we seen you know all of our little cousin nieces and nep- you know singing that one? And Trolls 1 and 2, that had the Justin Timberlake, I got sunshine in my pocket. That, that song, do you know that one yeah. from Trolls? Um, or yeah. Can't, yeah. can't Stop the Feeling, that's the name. That's the name of the song. And Mona. Anyways, it's all, but the, the top list is just littered with kid stuff now. So, I don't know. I don't know why the, the, there's such... Because it's, it's what can be sold, really. And it's sad, it's sad but that's what it is, like... Like we talk, and even those 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 albums that we were buying in the, the late nineties, and their the Mission Impossible twos, the clump, the clumps, all that stuff. <clears throat> they're they're just another way to sell. It's just another way to sell a product, and that's what you know. We touch touch on these blockbusters, and the movies aren't just products. So, I mean, did they did these albums really enhance the movies so much? Not, uh, I mean, sometimes I think you make a great argument with some of the skits. Like the Rush Hour, see, we had this great, like the Chris Tucker in between. Yeah. And the Jackie Chan and all that. Anyway, so, the, yeah, it made you think of the movie, but it was something outside that they could sell and just link, put, put basically slap the sticker on and sell it. Because, again, that latter half of the Clump Sound has nothing to do with the movie. Like, True. And same with, like, same with, what is Rock is Dead, the Marilyn Manson song, have to do with The Matrix? Nothing. Like, they might play it. I think it's like the second song they play in the like the exiting credits or like the scrolls at the end. Like it's yeah, but at least the rage song at the end was it when he when Neo flies away. Like at least that's in the movie. You know what yeah. I mean? They just, oh. Right. I remember that being the first one. I think Marilyn Manson plays after that. But right, really no tie to. You know the, the rock. Rock is dead. What does that have to do with the major? Nothing. I mean. 
That being said, I remember the day that that music video came out and was aired on TRL. Mom <laughs> made Laura, we came home, you'd always come home from school, TRL was at TRL. Oh, yeah. Again, selling, selling, selling to kids. That's what it is. TRL so, barely played the music video, though. That was all about, you're right, that was all just like selling stuff and who's who's got a movie coming out. It was more of a talk show than a music video show. Absolutely. I mean, remember they played maybe like 60 seconds, if you were lucky, of the video. And I remember I remember begging mom. Mom was super cool. They let me listen to Marilyn Manson as a kid. Uh, I, don't think, I don't know if I was supposed to say it. Anyways, um, but I remember specifically when that came out. And I was like, oh, man, new Marilyn Manson's coming out. And it has to do with The Matrix. And then it came out in the video. Like, made, I don't even know if it flashed like little pictures of Neo or something, but it was essentially just a Marilyn Manson video, which, yeah, you know, go ahead, you, you're picturing it in your head what it is now. Um, That's a whole other thing we could probably do is just a, a podcast on music videos. How about just certain mediums have just gone kind of away as we've gotten older or as, as kind of the years have gone on. And soundtracks is, I would definitely put in that same realm as, you know, you, you don't really seek out a soundtrack they're still being made uh same with music videos they're still being made they're just not a part of the culture like they used to be you know you're right doug and and even with music artists um uh going and transcending into movies and doing act and acting and stuff you'd think that would be accompanied by you know common is in so many movies it's like you think he'd have like a song or like you think luda would do something for fast and furious which yeah. maybe he has but it's not you know, it's just, it's, you're right, it's not as common. That's why something like, um, in the shadow, what's the, 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 uh, star is born. Uh, that's why stuff like that sticks out so much is because, like, I feel like. But that, that movie itself was just based around music. And I feel like. So, I mean, I guess Black Panther wasn't based around music or neither Guardians of the Galaxy, but, like, it seems to be the Bohemian Rhapsodies, the Rocket Mans, like, those are just obviously going to have great soundtracks because they're music movies, as Star Wars Born. Um, they bother me. What's that? Those ones, Bohemian Rhapsody, it really bothers me. Yeah, but so maybe, maybe you shouldn't watch. Yesterday's a little bit different because they're not really... It, it's it's like a Beatles joyride, but it's not like this is the Beatles movie. It's just check it out. They misportray they misportray Freddie Mercury. That's that's all I'm gonna say. Okay. And then, anyways, and then they also misportrayed uh, um, what's his name, Rocket Man. Uh, yeah, I know you. Got, I know you got beefs with both of those movies. So, but you know they're gonna keep coming as these as these stars Absolutely. get older. There's gonna be a Bruce Springsteen movie. There's gonna be a Paul like. It, I hate to say it, but hopefully someone nails it. Hopefully they get a decent enough director that can really nail it. But if you look back at those years, like those are the movies that did well, and the, those are the movies that won awards. Remy Malek won a freaking Oscar for that for that role. And I think uh, what's his name, the guy who played Helton John, he did. I think he cleaned up at the Globe and Globe. But so people love this shit. But I'm with you. I'm, it just it's not. It's not quite. It's like they they wanted they wanted to love it before they even saw the movie, and then they just spoon fed them like action shots of them performing. Which yeah, I mean it's 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 one thing to be able to emulate um, you know uh, physical characteristics and movements and even the voice, but it's like it's another thing to give the 
the character depth by like kind of understanding it, uh, which, you know, if you listen to an earlier podcast, I, I'm a fan of The Doors with Val Kilmer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, yeah, I think he his performance gave the character depth, the character of Jim Morrison. But anyways. I don't remember portrayed. there being, I mean, I, just because anytime I want to hear a Doors song, um, you know, I'll listen to the original, but I don't remember there actually being a soundtrack. Did Val Kilmer and Oliver Stone released a soundtrack to that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there was like a, a like a remastering. Remember, that's the time of like that's when CDs were coming out and music is the sound quality is getting better, so they remastered a ton of stuff. Yeah, re-released it. Um, so likely they did that with it, but uh, no. They didn't put anything out as that. Yeah, because um, I, I would have thought you would have mentioned that on our last podcast. If we're, did. But we're, we're, we're getting in. It's so funny, Doug. I, you know, that I didn't even think about it before that, that we're going away from uh, um, albums with movies. But I'm looking at my, I do things through the decades. So I get the 90s, 2000s, 2010s, 70s. And like 2010s, I have Black Panther like Tron and Social Network. I don't even think Tron was No, I think Tron was in the 2000s, yeah. Yeah. So By the way, great remix album. They made a remix album to Tron. That's how good it was. Oh, dude, that one is so sick. Like, the remix album of Tron is even better better than the the initial. Um, So you mentioned Fast and Furious. Um, I wanted to kind of touch touch base on that one real quick. In my research, I found that this was a complete marketing tool. So this is the original Fast and the Furious one. Paul Walker, um, Vin Diesel, uh, who else? Was Jordana Brewster was in that one too? Anyways, the, origi- the original cast. Michelle Rodriguez. Yes. Yeah, the original cast of, of that. So they put out for this one, I didn't realize, they put out two albums for yeah. Fast and Furious. It had it, when it wasn't a double album. It was two well, separate. Well, I remember, Doug, Ja Rule was in... Like yes. Of yeah. So Ja Rule's, they put out like a rap album and they put out, it was called More Fast, More from the Fast and Furious. And it was like more of an electric rock album as well. Yeah. So the first one had the rap album, had Ja Rule, Fat Joe, Method Man, Nate Dogg, like pretty big names. Yeah, um, for sure. So I think, I don't know if they were trying to capture two audiences. This um, this other one had that Hoobastank song. Do you remember? <laughs> um, which one? Oh, which one was it was, um, oh, it'll come to me. Uh, they also had Saliva on there, uh, Primer 55, and then BT, who's an electric artist. That Was was P.O.D. on there at all? God, those I didn't see P.O.D. on there, but it was that type of music that was on there. Yeah. God, the Hoobastank song is killing me. I don't know the name of the song. But anyways, it, 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 was, um, it, it was just kind of funny, like, I didn't see too many others that had two separate albums, but clearly they're trying to get, let's get the rock group, let's get the rap, the, the, um, the rap group and both get them to come to our movies. And I, I don't know. It was, it was just kind of an obvious, looking back, it was an obvious marketing tool and something I thought we should bring up, but, um, so just, uh, crawling in the dark. Doug, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Just thank uh, God one of us has internet and can look normally, at it. <laughs> normally everything I say to pull out of my head, but that one I had to look up. Yes, thank you. I'm glad you did. I would it would have killed me the rest of the podcast. Okay, so no, I feel like they could they sold well that's when like so I, I remember watching these videos and, and getting these albums and stuff and they with the fast and furious I think that I I, I, I they almost like started selling video games too. Video games came with some albums, started coming out with albums too. Yep. Uh, like the Tony Hawks and stuff. Yes. Um, 
So just talking about multifaceted, like selling a selling product in, in, in multiple ways. Yeah. Um, and if so, you had a video game that wasn't, you know, that had a bad soundtrack or a move, like you just turn it off. Like it went, it, you couldn't listen to the same songs over and over and over unless they're really good. So by the way, I had so much fun doing the research for this stuff and half of it was going through, I, I keep my, all my old CDs. So I went through a bunch of my old mixes and one of them I ran into was the Hawk Roxbury mix. And it was <laughs> all of the, 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 the songs from Tony Hawk one in night at the rocks. Whoa. What an eclectic mix. What a, that's awesome. What's, oh what's on there? So what was funny. on there? So that was the age of burning CDs, too, which, you know, only the, our, most of our, uh, most of our, uh, what you would call it, people listening. <laughs> yeah, are, remember, remember uh, how to do but, that. So burning, uh, yeah, I'm listening to, what is that? And then, you know, it goes into, like, the, oh, the Goldfinger song. That's, I'm so glad I remember this. There's a song by Goldfinger that was used in so many movies, like uh, the skater movies of the 90s, like mm-hmm. Grind, and like, here I am. So that, that dude, American, that's in like American Pie, and like all, and yeah, there's, there was, there was kind of like a swing, like year, whether it was 98, 99, right in there, or a lot of swing, Mighty Mighty Bus, I remember that that style just being really but popular Scott, for the time. Scott, Scott that's what it was. Scott. Scott music, and there was that momentary swing, swing like the mighty mighty boss tones and that shit. Lou Bega. What's that? Lou Bega. Oh yeah. Oh, Mumbo Number Five. <laughs> <laughs> that that guy wasn't wearing a fedora. I'd have no idea who he was. I was in, I was in fourth grade when that came out. I remember that specifically. Um, so you did, you just, you just saying Goldfinger kind of touched on something that I wanted to bring up and that was the, there's some movies that kind of have a running tradition of songs that either are tied to it or, um, kind of an honor to be a part of it. The one, if you've been listening to these podcasts, you know that Tim and I are huge James Bond fans. And at the beginning of every Bond movie dating back to the sixties, they're the early seventies there has always been the intro. It's always been whoever, usually is whoever one of the hottest artists at the time has the honor of doing the intro Bond movies. So just to give you a couple examples, um, while I look at my notes, Pat of past artists who have done... Um, um, recent ones, we got Skyfall with Adele. Yes. Uh, Chris Cornell Chris did Casino. Cornell. Yep, Casino Royal. Um, you, you mentioned Adele. Madonna did Die Another Day. Uh, Spectra was Sam Smith, Cheryl Crow, um, Jack White and Alicia Keys did Quantum of Solace, Tina Turner did Goldeneye, which I, yeah. you and I both had to look up before we did oh, this. And I, and I had to remind you that Garbage did The World Is yes. Not Enough. Yeah. Guys, if you don't know, if, you, if, you, if Garbage is a 90s band, if you don't know Garbage, then go back and check out the song special, okay, special. But anyways. But, so, I mean, Garbage aside, I mean, they, everyone remembers Garbage, but they weren't like these big names that I'm mentioning here. Carly Simon did one back in 77. Paul McCartney and Wings, Live and Let Die. I had no idea. I, I cannot believe that one. But if, you, if you think about it, though, it sounds like it's got like the horns and strings. So it sounds like an sure. opening to a, a Bond movie, but... I thought that that's I mean, well. I think that's hard for a lot of these Bond artists, the people who get 
the uh, the honor, as you said, to do these movies. It's really hard. Me and Maddie were listening to them, my roommate, and uh, it was really hard to get away from that cinematic Bond sound. Yeah. So like, we were, Phil and I were talking, like, which is our favorite of the ones, and we kind of both agreed it's the Adele Scott. Yeah. Um, which was played on the radio, still is. Um, that one, Chris Cornell, and then when I found out Paul McCartney, Live and Let Die, was it, I mean, those are 1A, B, C, but I think I think Adele takes it. It's, it's hard, yeah, oh yeah, but it, it's hard for them to get away from that Bond sound, but th- those few artists did it. Um, and, I mean, the, the, like, talking about ways to sell, sell movies, the Bond franchise... I mean, that's the, the fact that it's not as I, you said there's a few movies that do that. I can't really think of any other besides like maybe Austin Powers. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a which spinoff. Is yeah. making fun of the Bond movies. Uh, uh, it was funny when Doc said, he's like, didn't Madonna do one? I'm like, no, no that was for Austin Powers. He's like, no, no, he actually did one for both. She did both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, so and- she'll get, she'll get her hands on it. So, Doc, in a, in a previous podcast, you asked me what was my what am I most excited to see, and I said it's the new Bond movie, No Time to Die. Uh, Billie Eilish is doing the opening for that, so just add that to the reason why I want to see it. I'm a, I'm a, do you like Billie Eilish? I don't can't say one way or the other. Okay, I've, I've gotten into her. I've gotten into her recently, and she's good stuff. She's she's very young and very talented. Like. I, I hope she, I, I listened to a little sampling of it and it sounded good, but um, I think that it was, like you said, or like I was mentioning before, quite an honor. And I think, you know, with her recent success in the Grammys, I think she'll, she'll do really well. Um, so yeah, so the, the Bond, just wanted to touch on that. Um, really, Bonds are more about the score than the soundtrack itself. Uh, but those movies right off, or those those songs itself are just associated with our favorite Bond movies. We were originally supposed wanted to do the second podcast just to kind of list all of our, uh, some songs that are synonymous with movies. So what, what I mean by that is when you think of the movie, you think of the song and vice versa. Um, so we were going to do a top five, but really... None of these songs are necessarily my favorites, and none of these movies are necessarily my favorites. So I thought we'd just kind of like in no particular order, just kind of rip riff them off. Um, so, Doc, do you do you have any that you want to? Oh, I have so many. I mean, so one little. I have a couple of deep cuts that I absolutely love and listen to. So, so again, uh, for the listener, like these movies, the movie would not be without the song, yes. and the song you can't Romeo you can't disassociate. Ju- okay, Romeo and Juliet, Leo and uh, what's that? Claire Danes. Yeah. And uh, the song "Love Fool" with by the Cardigans. Mm-hmm. When yep. it came out, it was they were synonymous, and like even Hot Fuzz makes fun of it. And when they do like the play of yeah. Julia, anyways, I have I have I'm, Ghostbusters on my list. That's that's I have uh, that Ghostbusters is a classic. Yeah, that, the that, song kind of rocks. It reminds you of Halloween and Ghostbusters, but it's a good song. Absolutely, I was just gonna say it's a Halloween classic now, but it's still a good song. Um, I also had another one of those deep cuts was from the Virgin Suicides. Yeah. Song "Play Playground Love" by Air. Um, it's it, you might not know it by me saying it, but if you looked it up, you might uh, you might recognize the the piano line. It's really kind of classic for '90s cinema. Um, I can just picture uh, Kirsten Dunst lying down the pillow. Like it's kind of I can I remember seeing the uh, the trailer. Of course, watching VHSs, you had to watch the 
the trailers beforehand, and that was one that I thought was like scandalous as a kid, and the music was a big part of that. See, anyways, yeah, these are these are more like so. I got a couple more popular ones. Bam, real quick. All right, in fact, that band Air. Uh, two members of the band Phoenix were in that band Air, and anyways, no shit, huh? Yeah, so then they went on to make Phoenix. It's a French band, but anyways, go ahead, Doug. Um, no, no, so a couple more popular ones. I mean, the Bodyguard, like, I don't even have to tell you the song. I will, um, I Always Love You by Whitney Houston. We mentioned that earlier in the pod. Dirty Dancing, I Had the Time of My Life. So the, the scene where, where Swayze's lifting up the, the girl and that baby, don't know baby. Where, of course, though. You don't go, if you play that at a wedding, there isn't two drunk guys who aren't going to try to do that scene. I've been, I've been to the place where that was shot. I lived in Nashville, North Carolina, and they shot it just outside oh, really? of there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the Lake lake Lure outside of town there, uh, probably 45 minutes up in the mountains. I, I did some work up there. It's beautiful. But they shot a bunch of movies. They shot The Last Mohegans up there. Uh, they shot The Hunger Games. Anyways, it was kind of living in Nashville. It Kind of got me into cinema a little bit more. Uh, anyways. Oh, no. So other ones that I had, yeah. I, I remember I remember you saying that. And, like, just being out in the Smoky Mountains, you can understand why that's a that's a popular spot to oh, go yeah. film. Um, uh, another one I had was, uh, I think, important. The Wild, Wild Wild West, which I've mentioned before, was that uh, I loved the, the album that came with it. Yeah. Um, but also, it sold, there was an Enrique Iglesias song, Dog, on there, too. Really? I think it was called Rhythm of the Night, I'm pretty sure. Uh, like, it was, again, nothing to do with the movie. They just, like, oh, Enrique, will you, like, put this on the album, too? Nice. And, like, they had it at the end of the movie. I remember if you watched past the credits, you could watch the Enrique Iglesias video. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> Heart Will Go On in Titanic. I mean, which yeah. what's better, the movie or the song? I mean, we, again, last in our blockbuster podcast, that was we kind of had fun with that one, and then the final, the Star Is Born. I mean, you can't hear the Gaga and, and um, a Bradley Cooper song without thinking of that movie. Same thing. You, you mentioned Star Is Born. You know, some someone in the room is going to do the Lady Gaga breakdown, sha la la, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. Like those are just those are just some movies that are just so synonymous. We wanted to make it a top five list, but, you know, it, it's just more fun to just kind of rip through these rather than, than spend too much time on single songs. Um, uh, one of my favorites from the 90s, and the 90s just was so <laughs> They just, uh, there's some nostalgics they had. Going through these, the, the music was so great. Anyways, from She's All That, there's a song, uh, Kiss Me. Oh, yeah. That is one of my, that's like such a... That song, when you hear it, don't you think? Of course. Was that Sixpence and Richard? Was that the name of the, the band? Uh, I think it 
Yeah, good call. Good call. Was it? I mean, we'll have to look it up after. Someone will have to correct us, but yeah, that's all right. Um, yeah, I mean, just the list goes on and on, but just uh, nowadays, I f- I feel like people instead of soundtracks are kind of associating that one song with the movie. Um, much, I wouldn't say they're synonymous anymore, but they're using more of one song for like a trailer. Like, so you know how music is going towards more electronic and like, especially, you know, the house scene and lots of EDM and stuff. So movies like, I find myself looking up a lot of scores now, like the John Wick scores. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of movies are kind of mimicking some music culture in like the score, like the hard hitting dubstep shit that sometimes will put in action or, uh, you know, sometimes like, it's not necessarily, that's the thing about EDM and dubstep. It's hard to, in progressive music like that, they're not always just songs. Uh, they're, you know, they're more musical ideas that they expand upon, yeah. which are very much score oriented. Yeah, they're they're creeping in there like Calvin Harris. Cas- uh, I remember there was an episode of um, which one called of uh, uh, what was it Entourage where they played Cascade, and so it's slowly that electric scene is slowly. Actually, Dead Dead Mouse did an entire score to a movie with Mads Mikkelsen. You recognize the actor if you saw him. Uh, he's in Doctor Strange. Anyway, anyways, uh, the, the movie's called Polar. It's an absolutely ridiculous action movie. Johnny Knoxville's in the beginning, like doing blow and shot. Anyway, Knoxville. Um, but it's. Uh, I think. I think because we're heading in towards electronic culture, like Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails. Oh yeah. Is a huge score guy right now. He just did Watchmen on HBO, um, and and he did The Social Network. And again, it's not necessarily about producing songs. I think it's more the quality of the piece they're putting out, so they're actually choosing the right music to match the, the feeling of the scene, and they're not just trying to sell you, sell you, sell you, because there's not as many ways to do it anymore. True. So, so I mean, there are there aren't those like product placement, if you will. That's essentially what music, you know, selling music, sometimes putting a song in. in to movies could be product placement and vice versa. Yeah. Putting like a little bit of a reference to a movie into a song. And it's just like a, a way to sell a song and get yourself, you know, noticed or, you know, have yourself stay relevant in a certain way. Um, but anyways, I, I, I think it's fascinating that we are moving away from it. Uh, Cause I, I can't really explain why. No, no. I mean, I just had, I just remember or during all my research, just listening to these things made me want to go watch the movie. So there's... There's so much fun. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Like, you're thinking about scenes in the movies, and you're just, like, looking back fun. Like, it could be... It could have been a shitty movie, but you can just remember the song that that came in, and you're just like, oh, yeah, that... It really enhances the movie experience when you can listen to a song, remember a scene, or just remember a time that, like, that, that particular song came out, and... Put yourself back in that '90s culture, or '2000s culture, or '80s. I mean, the '80s, the '80s yeah, did 80s. it uh, pretty well as well. Um, that you know, I mean, David Bowie and Labyrinth—that was pretty yeah. sweet. Space Odyssey. Uh, Space Odyssey. Space, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, the '80s was more kitschy and fun. I feel like, and then the '90s again. With that Doritos and corn syrup, they're just feeding you and feeding you and feeding you. Just like, and it's tasty, and it went down, and we miss it. But, <laughs> but uh, 
but but again, the '80s again was more the Ghostbuster stuff's original. Even stuff for uh, Back to the Future. The Back to the Future soundtrack's fun. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I've listened to that one. What's on there? That's the power of. Oh yeah. Like Doc. It's just really stupid, but I mean, but the, I feel like the '80s it, were kitschy. '90s. Not so much Dreamers and Corsair, because we talked about the Dumb and Dumber, the Fairly Brothers and all that stuff, but then the lead, as they're like putting these Mission Impossible 2s and Matrix soundtracks together, that are just full of songs that are irrelevant to the movie, Yeah, with, you're just being sold to. Now they don't have a way to spell to us with the streaming services, I don't think, um, so there's not that element. Um, although we enjoyed it, I don't think... Uh, again, it's as relevant because it's not marketable. Right. We almost see them as separate now than, than it's tied to the movies. I mean, short of stars, short of stars born, like, I don't, like really there, there isn't been a movie, I guess that trolls movie with, uh, can't stop the feeling you mentioned. Like it, it's a lot, it's definitely a lot rarer today. So I mean, black, Pan- black Panthers go Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar did an awesome job with black. Panther. True. True. So it's still out there. Um, any, any other? It's it's much rarer, and like I always look for. But I mean, said if there's any record producing, they look like I, I I love when someone does that. Like when like check out that movie Polar with Dead Mouse doing the whole set, the entire score. It's so sweet. Like I also I, I think I mentioned there will be blood earlier. Johnny Greenwood, one of the most epic scores ever. Talking about film presentation. That's not what we're talking. So yeah. Uh, but uh, but hopefully we're gonna be able to play a couple of those uh, songs because I yeah just been- I'm I'm definitely either gonna tack them on the end or or just kind of mix them in here because I mean if you, if you've already listened to this you probably already heard them but I, it, the music really does it's just such a way to like pump yourself up for a movie you just pump yourself up in general like it's it's hard I mean it's hard to describe what mu- how music elevates a situation or a movie or a scene or whatever, but it just does. So doctor, do you have any other points that you wanted to touch on before we, uh, before we peace out? Yeah, then, the only thing, another way to propagate movies and, and sell them that I really wanted to bring up that I should have earlier was the radio station jamming 94 five. How dog and I grew up listening to that and, that, and how the radio was also an element uh, okay. back in the day. So, like, that's really not a thing anymore as well. So these songs not only were being sold through buying sounds and soundtracks and stuff, they became the soundtracks to our lives because they were being played on the radio, which was relevant at the time. And Dog and I used to fall asleep to Jam 945 every day. Oh, yeah. That's why The Clumps is top two for me and also probably why Straight Outta Compton. The soundtrack of our lives. That's so deep, homie. I thought we were going to get through two parts without someone saying that, but yeah. Yeah, but, but I mean, because of the radio, and that's like, that fades out. You, yeah, you I, I know what you mean. There's no, the radio that we listen to now is either sports or it has it's ad-free, so. You asked me earlier, do you listen to serious radio? And I said, no, not really. Yeah. Like, well, there's I listen no, to podcasts. I listen to podcasts. hey Right. That's the medium now. Yeah, I'm still looking for our first sponsor, by the way. So, yeah, if, if you're listening and, and feel like throwing us a couple bones, these uh, these these 
Turns out booty sweat's not real, so we can't actually... I know, I know. I got my hopes up for that. <laughs> um, one last thing I wanted to touch on, which when I was looking through a bunch of these soundtracks, is how frequently this one actor in particular um, continued to show up on a lot of these top five lists or a lot of these top ten lists for albums. And that was John Cusack. I don't know if you noticed... Oh, yeah, dude. John Cusack and Paul Rudd. The ve- yeah, very musical guys, but... I mean, they don't necessarily have any musical performances in their movies like that they personally do, but they're always tied around these these top five, these top ten lists. So the the movie High Fidelity was one of them. Absolutely. Gr- Gross Point Blank. Um, speaking Absolutely. of top five, High Fidelity that that whole movie is about his top five relationships and records and all this stuff, which is you know right up our alley. Um, and then and then obviously the Peter Gabriel say anything where he's holding the the jukebox above his head. Yes. Uh, I mean, gross point blank. That album, dude, is dope. I actually uh, ripped it from the uh, Portsmouth Library. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I stole money on that. Thanks, homie. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't steal it. I just I put it on my computer. Yeah, you just borrowed it for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> but the gross point, that's a great point, dog. And speaking of high fidelity, how didn't we bring up Jack Black, man? We didn't bring up Jack Black once. We, I mean, like, he is uh, a king. I mean, Tenacious D, how, I, the fact that we didn't bring up that shit or School of Rock uh, as, as, as relevant in music is, is shameful on us. Well, here we are. We're doing it. Good. That's I'm cool. So but you're right. That's cool. Jack, I thought of high fidelity. I was like, we got it. Oh, John, I mean, Jack Black. I mean, also, there, there, there's so many artists who... Who, who are musical and also good at acting, and, and then there's some crossover. That's, I mean, that's not something I necessarily need to get into. I just had to shout out Tenacious D and Jack Black's ability as as a performer. Yeah. Because they tour, Tenacious D tours, and I would I would absolutely go to see Jack Black. School, uh, yeah, for sure. School of Rock was a really popular movie, but it almost felt like a Jack, Jack Black uh passion project because he got to work with all these kid child actors who in, se- in themselves were musically gifted as well. Absolutely. They played all their instruments for sure. Yeah. You turn that bass vertically and you got a chalero. <laughs> chalero. <laughs> chalero. It's a bass. But I'm glad, I'm glad we snuck this here at the end because he is, he is, I think he's an actor who strives to be a musician where a lot of the people like Ludacris and Common are musicians who strive to be actors, and Jack Black is one of those rare, you know, p- people in reverse or their oh. reverse roles. I would have been really embarrassed if I had called out or mentioned Adam Sandler as a musician and not. Jack I think Black. I think he's another one though. I think he if he doesn't have the chops to become a singer, but I think he's more into music than he is into acting. You know, with all, with all of his Saturday Night Live skits that he did were all on the guitar, but I mean, he can't sing. He was just doing the habity like the goofy stuff. <laughs> but you knew he loved Springsteen. He loved all they these 80s. <laughs> God, how do we find that funny? How, does, how is that man now close to a billionaire? Who knows? But Oh, my God. Um, because because Doritos and corn syrup, dude. People just eat shit. Like, oops, no? sorry. I love it. Uh, I know. Uh, uh, the the hey don't talk shit about Adam Sandler man I'll come right through hey, your screen I know my Manchester's finest true um, but so I'm glad I think that's a good place to to end it like 
we, I mean, there's just so many other ones that we're missing. So if if there's if us two jerks miss something, please let us know. We've got the Instagram feed working now. This will be posted uh, later this week. Um, so just let us know in the comments if we missed anything. You know how you felt about Tim's little medley, whatever. We love your feedback. We love hearing. You know anything anything that we're screwing up on. I also gotta 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 get a shout out to Riza Wu Tang. Uh, he does a ton of good shit too on Kill Bill One and Two. Yes. Uh, he's also active in American uh, or what's the uh, American Gangster? He's in that. But anyways, he's also in How Mr. High. Right. Mr. Right also Man with Darren Fist. Anyways, the guy can also do a score and a soundtrack. So the Kill Bill, I was listening Malcolm McLaren, something about her dope song. Um, anyways, gotta get a shot out to RZA. Wu Tang. Wu Tang. My W, my W's are up, dog. You can't see it, but my uh, W's are up. I'm just going through my head. I'm like, I'm so glad I mentioned Jack Black. Gotta hit up RZA. Gotta hit up Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead. Gotta hit up Trent Reznor. Sorry, Chemical Brothers. It. You mentioned it, it, it'll be fun to see who we missed. I, I always love doing these, and, and people be like, "Oh, you idiots! You, you missed the most obvious one," which I'm sure we're doing that too. But um, so yeah, thanks again for following us and listening again. This is a, a two parter. Um, that we just had to string across two, two, two parts because there was just so much to get to. And, and the conversation will continue online. So, dog, uh, stay safe there. Give Mookie a pet. I know he's had his, uh, his poop and his food already. But uh, yeah. give well, all, all three dogs are pooped here, so we'll, we'll talk soon. All right. all right, man. Take it easy. Stay safe. Got my stapler, got my shirt and tie Set me up to zone